Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. I am so excited because we are joined today by Matthew Pollard, who is responsible for five multi-million dollar business success stories, all done before the age of 30, his humble beginnings, the adversities he faced, and his epic rise to success show that anyone with the right motivation and the right strategies can achieve anything they set their mind to. He is also the best-selling author of The Introvert's Edge which is Amazon's eighth most sold book of the week and book authorities, number two, best introvert book of all time. I am so excited you're here. I can't wait for our audience to get to know you a little bit more. So I would love for you to start just telling us a little bit about your story and how you got started. Absolutely. And firstly, I'm ecstatic to be here as well. And I think that a lot of people, especially the introverts listening, usually hear a bio like that and say, there's no way this person's an introvert. And I think that happens a lot because people see where somebody is today, but they don't really look at where that person came from. I think from my perspective, I was a really shy kid growing up. I was really uncomfortable around people. I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. I had horrible acne. Due to all these situations, I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Luckily enough, I got diagnosed with this thing called Erlen's syndrome when I was 16, which basically just means you put on a pair of funny colored looking lenses and miraculously I can learn to read. But I couldn't learn to read like everyone else. I had to start the process of learning to read. And the funny colored lenses definitely didn't help with the confidence at all, right? Now I'm the guy with acne and funny colored lenses. For two years, I hustled every day. And I actually got into the top 20% of my state, but my family could see that I was exhausted. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and they just saw me going to university at that time. I would have spun out and not succeeded. So we all agreed I was going to take a job for a year just to find myself. I didn't exactly come from a well-off family. So because of that, I really had to take a year off to kind of really find myself, but I had to be out working and earning an income to do so. I took a job at a real estate agency and I think that a lot of people assume that if I was in real estate, I must have been the person out selling. I wasn't. I was the guy in the back office doing data entry with a look on my face saying, don't speak to me. I'm here to find myself. Well, three weeks into working for that organization, my boss pulls me over and he's like, Matt, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but we just got a phone call from head office. They're actually shutting down the store. I was out of a job. I'd worked at the business for three weeks. This was just before Christmas in Australia. Now, for those people that aren't familiar with the different seasons in Australia. That's Christmas and summer all at the same time. So most people go on holidays on the 20th of December and they don't come back till the 15th or 20th of January. No one's hiring. I mean, if you're a small business and you're in that situation, you're not going to hire before you go on a month-long vacation. So the only jobs I could find were these things called commission-only sales roles. There were three roles in the paper and the only thing more terrifying than doing sales for me was going home and telling my father who broke his back 80 hours a week that I'm out of a job and there's nothing I can do about it. So I applied for all three jobs and I got three job interviews. My confidence was bolstered a little bit. Then I got three job offers and I thought maybe they see something in me that I don't see in myself. 
I took this job doing door-to-door business-to-business telecommunications sales, and my manager quickly put my excitement to rest by telling me, Matt, we just hire everyone. We've got this saying, we throw mud up against the wall and we see what sticks, which sounds like a fun saying until you realize you're the mud, right? Anyway, after five days product training and not a single second of sales training, I get thrown on this road. It's called Sydney Road in Melbourne, Australia, over a thousand doors on each side and told to go sell. Now, I had no idea what to say, but I took a deep breath and I walked in and I was politely, luckily enough, told to leave because shortly after that I was sworn at and it was always my personal favorite. I got told to go and get a real job. Well, door after door, this happened until I got to my 93rd door where I made my first sale. And I remember I was ecstatic for about 45 seconds until I had my second big realization for the day. I've got to do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next. And I think a lot of the entrepreneurs listening, this is the life we lead. We're not great at sales as as an introvert. Because of that, do we just accept subpar performance, which a lot of us do, or just grind it out, or do we just give up? And those were the choices that most people have. I decided to make a third choice, which was I took responsibility. I said, what if there was another way of learning how to sell? So I said, well, if it's going to work for me, it has to be a system so I can take the personality out of the equation and rely on a solid structured system. And I said, well, how am I going to learn that system? Luckily enough, back then, because I couldn't exactly read that quickly, I would have taken me a year to read a book by Brian Tracy or Zig Ziglar, but I did discover YouTube. I typed in sales system and all these videos came up. Day after day, I'd spend eight hours out in the field applying what I learned, eight hours back at home practicing the next step. Weekends, I'd spend 16 hours practicing. I'm sure it doesn't sound fun to anyone at home. It was horrible. But day after day, I got better. Soon it was 68 doors, then 43 doors, then 21 doors, then 18, then 7, then eventually 3. About six weeks in, my manager pulls me aside, and I thought I'd done something wrong because I was the quiet guy that used to hand the paperwork in downstairs and not really talk to anyone or the boisterous salespeople upstairs talking about how the market was hard or how they got that deal. He said, Matt, I'm kind of blown away by this, but it turns out that we just got our national sales figures that that used to come in about once a month back then. And he said, we just got these figures, and it turns out you're the number one salesperson in the company, which just so happened to be the largest sales and marketing company in the Southern Hemisphere. So I went from really scared to sell to being the number one in the company. Shortly after that, they promoted me into management. I don't know why people think just because you can sell, you can manage. I was a terrible manager. I got given 20 people, told they were all mud against the wall. Someone would stick. Everybody quit. Back to YouTube to learn how to manage. I got pretty good at it. About a year later, I'd been promoted about seven times. I then started up my own business. And fast forward just shy of a decade, I'd been responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories and gone from really teaching, being terrified to sell, to teaching hundreds how to do it. Now through the Introverts Edge book series, I teach tens of thousands how to sell and network through those books. That is amazing because when you first said door-to-door sales and a hundred doors, I was like cringing (laughs) over here. Like, oh, that just sounds terrible. But it's so fascinating that you took that and learned a way that's going to work for you as an introvert. I can tell you this, that yes, it does sound terrible, but no one can imagine how terrible it actually is until you actually do it. I've heard people have that story and then go, you know what, I'm going to go out and door-to-door sell and they don't do the preparation and therefore they get their hundred-door experience. They're like, you know what, now I get it. I thought I got it. I thought it was horrible. Now I know it's horrible. But when you have a system and it's a process that's external to you, and don't get me wrong, these days 
I'm often telling people that you can get your ideal clients to chase you, but the truth is that most people have really bad messaging. And if you can't get your ideal customers to understand the value of what you provide when someone's politely listening to you in a networking room, you've got no chance getting somebody to understand or care about the value online when you get fractions of a second. A lot of people don't have to go out and cold call anymore, but the truth is that it was where I came from. And this was back in the day when you're either telemarketing or walking into someone's door. It was the only way to make a sale. When you say the number of doors, I'm thinking back to my first job. It was the number of calls because I was in a call center taking orders for a big clothing company here in Canada. And we weren't measured on the number of calls we took or any other metric. It was all about how much we could sell to them. At the end of filling out their order, what they wanted to order, we had to upsell them into other products. And that was so terrifying to me as an introvert to have to rely on basically, and they don't train you. That's the thing too, is for you, you had to go on YouTube and learn it all yourself. Absolutely. I will say this is because of a common misconception. The bottom line is like if you go into an accounting office, they're going to show you all the systems and processes. If you want to work on a factory floor, they'll show you the systems and processes. I mean, my father used to work in gas, right? He used to work for Castrol. And when he started, they showed him a whole bunch of systems and processes and that he had to fill out these spreadsheets. And that was his job. When you go into sales, for some reason, they believe systems and processes don't really apply. You either have this thing called gift of gab or you don't. Customer service that relies on sales as well and those upsells, they're like, well, they'll either get chatting and they'll sell it or they'll not. They'll figure it out and every single person has to do it differently. This has become the biggest lie that anyone's ever been told. The truth is systems and process outperform everything. The fact is Brian Tracy, I and mean, it's not new stuff, Brian Tracy says the top 10% of all sales performers have a planned presentation. The bottom 80% just say whatever comes out of their mouth. Of course, the top of those 80% is probably the extroverts, and they're also the loudest about it, right? But at the top, it's really interesting that there's actually a lot more introverts at the top of the sales world than extroverts. Why? Because they're following a planned process. Extroverts are less likely to follow a plan because they're actually brilliant at it up front, and they'd have to take a pretty significant back step to catapult forward. Introverts, on the other hand, are terrible at sales. So if they're willing to hold on to a sales process and hold on to it for dear life, and truthfully, if they do that over time, and it's not a very long amount of time, like my whole learning experience was six weeks, you end up being the top performer because you're following a planned process and you're religious about following that process. From an organization's perspective, a lot of times they hire people they think have a natural gift because they're relying on the fact that they don't have a system. Organizations would do much better if they implemented a system. And for the small business owners that are listening, if you really want to have a rapid growth business doing what you love in a business that revolves around you, your family, and your life, and you do not have a sales system, and you feel uncomfortable with sales, and you're still winging it in the sale, well, firstly, that's going to lead you to feel so incongruent, so uncomfortable. And on top of that, it's also not going to lead to as many sales. And you'll feel like a salesperson, where if you have a system, you'll feel like you're serving your customers, which, by the way, the definition of sales is derived from the Scandinavian word to serve. So if you can truly serve your customers and make them better off, then you're not selling unless you don't know how to sell, in which case you're pitching and it's uncomfortable and it feels salesy. You really can get comfortable with the sales process and be amazing at it. And then once you learn a great sales process, well, at least for me, once I learned how to sell really well, I actually realized that sales should be step three of the process. Because in truth, 
If you have bad messaging, if you're not differentiated, if you don't niche down, then there's a lot more heavy lifting required in the sales process. So yes, everybody should focus on creating a sales system, but truthfully, a sales system without differentiation and niche marketing means you have to work much harder than you need to as well. That's so true. That's one thing I always tell introverts. I always call it clarity to confidence. If you are really clear and have that clarity around your offer, your messaging, your ideal audience, you are going to feel more confident when you do go into selling or speaking directly to your ideal audience. Absolutely. The biggest thing is that most people, especially functional service provider businesses, what they really struggle with is articulating what they do in a way that gets people to get excited because they'll say, I'm an accountant. And people say, oh, I need an accountant. How much do you cost? Now we're talking about price. We've just got started. Well, of course, sales is going to be hard. They don't know anything about you. And now you feel like you're pitching. Or you say, oh, I'm in marketing. And they say, oh, no, I had a bad experience with a marketer once. And now you shut down. So what you're going to do is go, oh, well, tell me about your experience. Maybe I'm different. Maybe I've got magic ruby slippers. It's still uncomfortable and you still feel like you're selling. The biggest goal is to sidestep all of that by not being seen as a commodity and learning how to not articulate the value of what you provide in jargon. I'll give you an example. You know, I worked with a client, Wendy. She was a language coach. She taught kids and adults Mandarin. And for the longest time, she'd been selling her services for $50 an hour to $80 an hour. Now, all of a sudden, there's all these businesses moving into California trying to teach kids and adults for $30 or $40 an hour to get their first clients. On top of that, she's now dealing with this global economy. There's people in China on Craigslist offering to do it for $12 an hour. And thanks to our friends in Silicon Valley, there's now technology available. I'll teach you Mandarin, you teach me English, we just won't charge anyone anything. So now she's going to networking events and trying to get deals, and she's competing against free which is really, really sometimes almost impossibly hard. So she comes to me and she says, Matt, can you give me some advice? Can you teach me how to sell more effectively to close deals at 50 to $80 an hour? Can you give me some sales training? And I said, Wendy, look, I'd love to help you with that. But in truth, that's a long spiral to the bottom. What I'd love to do instead first is teach you how to sidestep the battle altogether so that sales doesn't feel as salesy for you as well. What I did is I started to look at all the clients that she'd worked with over the years. And what I realized is of all the clients that she worked with hundreds, there were two specific clients she helped with far more than just language consulting. By the way, everyone that's listening, especially if you're a service provider, but even if you're a product company, I've got no doubt you provide a ton of value to your clients that you don't tell them about when you're selling to them. It happens after they receive this value and that's why they love you. They think you're fantastic. The problem is we don't articulate that value when we're talking to people. We talk about the function of what we do, which again leads people to price hunt. Of these two people that she worked with that she helped with much more than just language tuition, these were executives being relocated to China. And the first thing I realized is she helped them understand the difference in the rapport relationship. For instance, if we're in the Western world and I was trying to sell you something and I was a very bad salesperson, at the end of our first 45 minute meeting, I might say something horrible like, so do you want to move forward? And you would respond with yes, no, or everyone's favorite, let me think about it. If I was to call you back two weeks from now and ask you the same question and you still said you wanted to think about it, I know my chances of getting that sale are going down and down. Yet in China, she had to help executives realize that sometimes they'll want to meet with you five or six times before they even discuss business. They may even want to see you drunk over karaoke once or twice. It's just the character of the people there because they're talking about 25 to 100 year deals, not 12 or 24 month contracts or single deals. 
So she helped them understand that. She helped them understand the difference between e-commerce in China and the Western world and the importance of respect while learning the language isn't enough. They had to reduce their American accent. They had to handle business cards in specific ways or people just wouldn't do business with them. I said, Wendy, you're doing so much more for these people than just language tuition. What are you doing? And she responded like every service provider I ever speak to. They're just a few things. I'm just trying to help. And I said, you're stuck in your functional skill, Wendy. Is it fair to assume as a result of the assistance that you're giving these people, they're going to be more successful when they get to China? And she's like, I mean, yeah, that's the point, right? I said, great. Then why don't we call you the China success coach instead? Mandarin is something you can offer as part of this, but why don't we focus on creating what we ended up calling the China Success Intensive, which was a five-week program that worked with the executive, the spouse, and any children being relocated to China so they all were successful when they got there. Because if the family's not happy, the executive's going to be going home much quicker than expected. So she loved the idea of this, but she's like, well, who do I sell it to? I said, well, who do you think you sell it to? And she's like, obviously, it's the executive that would pay. And I said, well, not really. I mean, you think about it. I mean, I was terrified moving from Australia to the US and people here speak the same language. So I definitely understand that the person's going to be motivated to learn how to be successful. I just don't think they're the ones paying the bill. So obviously, maybe it's the company then. I said, yeah, I mean, they might pay the bill, but a lot of times they'd be motivated to. They've a lot of times got a million dollars, a couple of million dollars, a couple of hundred million dollars riding on that executive being successful. I said, I still don't think it's your ideal customer, though. So frustrated, she looks at me, she's like, well, who then? And I said, well, I think your ideal client is the immigration attorney, or at least your ideal prospect. And she's like, well, what do you mean by that? I said, think about it. These guys are lucky to make $3,000 for doing a visa for somebody to go to China. They may charge five to 7,000, but after they do the paperwork, the bureaucracy, get the customer, which isn't cheap, pay for their staff, their rent, they'd be lucky to make $3,000. I said, so why don't you just offer them $3,000 for a successful introduction to the China success coach? They love the idea. They're like, double my profits for a simple introduction? What would I have to say? She responded with, all you've got to do is say, congratulations, you've now got your visa. I just want to double check you're as ready as possible to be relocated to China. Of course, the overconfident executive would say, yeah, I think we're good. You've got a place now. Uh, We've got our visa now. Thank you. We're learning the language. Kids are getting pretty good at it too. I think we're set. And they would just respond, like she suggested, there's actually a lot more to it than that. I think you need to speak to the China success coach. I mean, Wendy would then get on the phone with the easiest sale in the world. They were terrified about going. Their organization was motivated to pay. Their attorney recommended them. She was able to charge $30,000 for this five-week program to these executives' families. Minus the $3,000 commission, she made $27,000 for the easiest sale in the world instead of hustling every day to charge $50 to $80 an hour for private consultation. So for the people that are listening, what you've got to do is say, what are the things that I'm doing outside the scope of my functional skill? And then what is the higher level benefit of that? For Wendy, it was respect, rapport, and e-commerce in China. The higher level benefit was China success. For me, I'm a business coach. I'm a branding expert. I'm a master in NLP. I mean, I'm truthfully too many things and nobody cares. But when I say I'm the rapid growth guy, it's the simplicity of that message that gets me heard in the crowded marketplace. When I'm out networking, it then gets people to say, what exactly is that? Because they can't put me in a box and disqualify me or go into how much do you cost? 
If I then respond with, oh, I focus on marketing and sales training, again, that conversation goes functional. But if I respond instead with one of the things I love to see more than anything in the world is an amazing introverted service provider with enough talent, skill, and belief in themselves to start a business for themselves. But the truth is, I find more often than not, they get stuck in this endless hamster wheel of struggling to find interested prospects, trying to set themselves apart and make the sale, all while thinking people only care about one thing, price. Do you know anyone like that? Well, if I've gone to the right networking room, of course they do. And then I explain my mission for helping these introverted service providers realize that they can obtain a rapid growth business doing what they love, but not by focusing on their functional skill because they're usually amazing at that, but instead by focusing on these three things outside the scope of their functional skill that allow them to create the business that they love. All of a sudden, we get into this story about telling perhaps the Wendy story, and now they're interested. I don't have to sell. They're like, oh my gosh, I need what Wendy has, and everyone listening can do the exact same thing. And if you do that, then sales becomes a lot simpler. There were just so many awesome points in that story. I hope everyone was listening. I was just sitting here in awe, just nodding along. And that's something that I find a lot of introverts struggle with, especially service providers, is They tend to talk about their packages or their work, like this is what you get. This is what I'm doing for you. But they don't focus on the value or that or what that leads to, what transformation that provides. They're so focused on the jargon and the industry-specific lingo. And let's face it, if we're in any form of industry, we're all part of an association or a group, and we're proud to be part of the club. The problem is that if we're part of that club, then every one of those people is a competitor. And every single person that is listening isn't a competitor with somebody else that has the same functional skill because we all have different life experiences, different past customers, different passions, different everything that qualifies to help a demographic of people. But if we don't niche down, for instance, I specialize in working with introverted service providers. Wendy focused on executives being relocated to China. If we don't niche down, everyone's a competitor and all we can talk about is price. That what I try to tell people is for lack of a better option, people choose to negotiate on price. But if you give them a better option, if you show them that you are uniquely qualified and specialize in working with them and therefore you're seen as the only logical choice, well, it gets better. When you start, one of my books is called The Introvert's Edge to Networking. And literally, I teach you how to master the networking room. But my goal is to show you how to master the room so you never have to go to one. And why do I say that? Because once you've mastered how to articulate the value of what you provide outside the scope of your functional skill, show your difference, well, then you can start to articulate that online. And instead of trying to post on social media about your donut or your dog for something to say, you've got something super clear that breaks through the noise. And in a lot of ways, you can automate that now because what you say is so crystal clear, it still finds its way to your ideal clients that then you can almost automate the process of them chasing you. That is so powerful for introverts because I don't know if it's probably a high percentage of introverts, at least who I've worked with and spoken to and myself included, that we look at sales as something difficult. We don't want to be seen as salesy or spammy. And when it comes to our messaging and our marketing, we tend to be to the point and we don't really dig deeper or tell the story or share stories. Or I know for me, when it comes to copywriting, I tend to be very to the point. Like for a program sales page, I'm like, this is what's included. I have to really 
edit a lot of it to know that I need to focus more on the story and what the transformation is, what the value is. Because I know when it comes to writing and messaging, I am very to the point. And I think a lot of introverts do struggle with that, probably because most of us don't really like small talk. So we've just gotten ingrained in us that we're very to the point in our writing and how we speak. I think that's an important point is that we sometimes need to peel back a little bit and focus on our audience and focus on serving. And then it doesn't even feel like selling. The biggest thing that I keep trying to tell all of my introverted customers is that it's not about you. As soon as you embrace those words, all of a sudden everything becomes a lot easier. I speak from stage. If I'm so worried about how people see me and what I say, then all of a sudden it gets pretty nerve-wracking. Now, truthfully, it's nerve-wracking anyway, and I'm still a mental case for 10 minutes before I go on stage. However, I've learned to control that. But when I go on stage, I'm all about giving value. I'm all about making an impact that's positive on people's lives. When I'm out networking, I like to share my passion and mission for serving others. Notice when I said, one of the things I love to see is this, one of the things I hate to see is this, and I'm on a mission to do this. It's nothing about me. When most people go in and they say, oh, I'm an accountant, and one of the things that I do often is I focus on people that have got these unique challenges. What sort of challenges do you have, if you don't mind me asking? That's salesy. I'm talking about serving others when I'm networking. And when I'm selling, you can have a totally different approach. And while I can explain the full sales process, the truth is The Introvert's Edge, my original book on sales, if you just download the first chapter of that book, it'll help you realize that you can be an amazing salesperson and it maps out the full seven steps that you need to sell. And if you do nothing more than grab those chapter headings, put what you currently say into them, and then firstly, you'll realize a whole bunch of things don't fit. Throw that out. You shouldn't be saying it to customers. That's the industry jargon and the explanations. Most introverts well over-educate their customers. And what they're doing is hitting them in the face with a fire hose of information. They're not going to remember any of it. They're actually not going to buy from you because of that. Then you'll realize there's some things out of order. You'll fix that order. Then you'll realize there's some gaping holes, usually around asking great questions and telling great stories. When you fix those problems, you really will double your sales in the next 60 days. And you don't have to buy my book for this. I mean, my publisher hates me when I say it, but you can download the first chapter of that book at theintrovertsedge.com. A simple understanding for people when you think about an inbound sales call, like, you know, when somebody's booked an appointment or you've had a networking conversation and now you booked an appointment with them, or perhaps they reached out on your website. For me, if I have an inbound call, one of the things that I might say is something as simple as this. I'm so glad we can get on a call today. And the person will respond with, yeah, me too. Thanks for making time. And then I will respond with, yeah, absolutely, of course. I have to say, you know, I've looked over the brief correspondence we've had, the notes that you put on the reservation, your website and your LinkedIn profile. However, because website profiles are a little bit static, and also it's been a little while since you scheduled this call, what I'd like to do is take a quick step back, hear a little bit more about you, what you're struggling with, and how I can be the most help to you in the time we have together today. Putting specific focus on saying the word you in a louder, more nurturing, empathetic way. Then I stop and I let somebody speak because they'll thank me and they'll start to then give me all the information I need. Now, I know that if I'm patient and I listen, which introverts are great at, and I don't worry about what I'm going to say next, but just focus on listening and get ready to empathize, another thing that introverts are great at, then I'm going to get my time to talk. So I empathize. I then make a statement that directly links to the problem that I know they have. And then I'll say, Wendy's a great example of that. Then I'll tell the story of Wendy. 
when I get to the end of telling the story of Wendy, I'll hit them with the moral of the story because you want to make sure that what they're getting out of the story is what they should be getting out of the story. You can't assume that they'll get the point. And at the end, I respond with, does that make sense? Now, when they say yes, the easiest way to get into a sales conversation is I can say something like, at this stage, I can really do one of two things. I can direct you to some great free content I created for you to help on your rapid growth journey, or I can talk to you about what working with me would look like, or what my own run program would look like, or something like that. If they pick the program or the working with you as opposed to the free content, what they're saying is, I have now given you permission to sell to me. So you can explain your packaging and the pricing. If they say, talk to me about the free content, what they're saying is either I don't have any money at all, or you have not given me enough value yet for us to have a sales conversation. So you can then take them through some free content and go overboard giving them value and say, now, I will send through all of that at the end of today's call. They will then thank you for that. And you can then say, now, would you like me to leave it at that? Or would you like me to also talk about the online program? If you didn't give them enough value and now you have, they'll ask you to talk about that. Literally, anyone that asks will likely buy because now they feel connected to you. The ones that say, no, the free content's great, perfect. Send them the free content, they'll refer you to everyone because you gave them the world's best experience even though they had no money. Now, why did I leverage story? Notice I didn't really talk about all the jargon. I didn't coach them in the session. The answer is nobody wants that. The amount of times we go to networking events and we feel like we provide a coaching session or give them so much value and they never call us, they're not grateful, they're overwhelmed. They say they're grateful, but they don't have the information to apply it. By instead telling them a story of someone just like them you got an amazing result for, where you're motivating and inspiring them to take action while embedding you as the only logical choice to take action with, but also coming across like you're just educating them, feels so much more comfortable. And there's some reasons behind that. Studies out of Princeton highlight people remember up to 22 times more information when embedded into a story. The power behind this is that for me, I can give them all this jargon, they won't remember any of it. It's not tangible. But when I embed it into a story, they'll remember much, much more of it. The easiest example I can give you is when I speak from stage, I call myself out and say 22 times is a lot of content. How would anyone remember that? Well, actually, let's pick somebody out at random. I'll give them three items to think about. Chairs, porridge, and beds. And then I'll say, now a year from now, I'm going to come back and ask you what those items are. Do you think you'll remember the order? The answer is always no, unless they remember the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. If they remember that, they'll go, oh, that's right. She sat in some chairs, she ate some porridge, she slept in the beds, then she ran out the room. Why is it we can remember this? Because people remember more embedded in a story. Now, this other study out of Stanford is really cool because obviously introverts struggle with rapport. I've learned that you can leverage a story to generate artificial rapport that we can leverage into real rapport. Now, studies show that introverts have deeper rapport relationships with the people they know they struggle at the beginning. The studies highlight that when you tell a story, it activates the reticular activating system of the teller and the listener's brain. It causes the brains to synchronize even through a podcast interview like this. So many of you might have wondered why I told a story to explain the Wendy to explain differentiation in niche marketing. Well, two reasons. One is I want you to remember it. And the second is I want to create a relationship with everybody that's listening. I want you to feel totally comfortable with me so that you'll actually follow the advice that I'm giving you. So you'll go and you'll read the first chapter of The Introvert's Edge to networking and actually apply that to change your life. Or you'll go to a different template, which I'll suggest at the end. Actually, I'll give it to you now. It's matthewpollard.com forward slash growth. 
I want you to go there because if I give you that link, you don't need to hire me to create your own unified message, your version of the China Success Coach, the Rapid Growth Guy. You can create it using this template. It'll even show you how to break down your niche of willing to buy clients so that you can actually make the sales process much easier. But by delivering it in a story, all of a sudden I'm creating rapport with you. You'll remember the reasons why you need those things. And that's why stories are so amazing. When you use them in sales, you create artificial rapport that I can now foster into deeper rapport. It also short circuits the logical brain. You speak directly to the emotional brain. So what we do is we get to the point because we're trying to be mindful of somebody's time. The reason we're worried about that is we don't want to be interrupted. When we tell a story, the brain of the listener literally goes story time and it listens with its emotional brain. The logical brain's the part going, that will work for me, that won't work for me, I don't have time for this. The emotional brain listens. All those three together is a powerful combination in networking, in sales conversations, in podcast interviews, and speaking from stage. So if you put all of that together, sales shouldn't be uncomfortable, but you need to leverage not explanations of your functional skill and unrequested coaching sessions and advice sessions, but story to get the person on side and foster a relationship. I know everyone is going to love this. So many people struggle with sales, especially introverts. They always tell me, I love my business, but I need more clients. I can't find more clients or I'm getting on discovery calls and they're not converting into a new client. Everything you've shared is going to help so many people. It's just amazing. I'm happy to hear that. The big thing for me is my mission in life is to help the average introvert realize they're not a second-class citizen. Their path to success is just different to that of an extrovert. The truth is the systems that work for introverts actually work for extroverts too. The thing with an introvert is we know that we can't sell or we find sales super uncomfortable. Sales should never involve bulldog techniques, hard closing. Marketing should never feel incongruent like we're trying to bend ourselves to the market. We always need to focus on what's unique about us and then create a system so that it doesn't feel like a judgment on us when a customer says no, but also build the process and the differentiation and go after a market that makes them much more likely to say yes. If we can do that, we really can have amazing rapid growth businesses with customers that chase us that value our advice. But if we phone it in and we just go in and explain what we do by function and overwhelm people with jargon, well, of course it's not going to go well. And for introverts, we're going to do much worse than the extroverts at it that you think are doing well, but even they're finding it hard. That's so true. So I know you have two books, The Introvert's Edge and The Introvert's Edge to Networking. I'd love for you to share just a little bit more about your books, maybe what is covered in each one. And we'll definitely have the links in the show notes for you guys to definitely grab that first chapter as well. Thanks for asking. So for those people that have never heard of the Introvert's Edge book series before, and by the way, if there's international audiences here, the books are in about, I think, 16 languages now, which is great. So you can listen to them or read them, depending on your modality, in lots of different countries. The first book was called The Introvert's Edge. It was the original and the premise of the book is that the average introvert can outsell their extroverted counterparts hands down, but by following a system. In that book, what you'll find is that I don't use fake stories, by the way. Every single story in that book is a real person and their real experience. And I think that is really important for introverts because we want to believe we can, not just be told that we can. So this book reads like a novel and it's going to teach you the sales process while making you feel totally comfortable that you can do it. And in the back of the book, there's a full video implementation bonus, 
where you can then access video training by me that literally walks you through the implementation of what you've learned in the book. That book's sold over 50,000 copies so far, and it's taught so many introverts. Firstly, the most important, I think, is inspiring them that they can learn sales, but then giving them a system. In truth, there's a ton of books written by introverts around the concepts of sales. So you don't need to buy my book. Just find somebody that is an introvert so you can believe in them and gravitate to a sales system. That will change your life. But for those people that are interested in the introvert's edge, you can download the first chapter at theintrovertsedge.com and then see firsthand why that book's doing so well and why it's helping so many people. I think there's over a thousand five-star reviews on Audible and I think at least 450 or something on Amazon. For other people that are listening, networking might be the thing that you really need help with. And that's the book that I launched last January off the back of the success of the first one. When I first came to America, I'd spent 10 years awkwardly fostering a network in Australia. But when I moved to the US, I didn't really know anybody uh, anymore. And I had to really rebuild my entire relationship network. Less than a year later, I was invited to events as one of the most connected people in the city. Now I'm listed by Global Gurus as one of the top 30 sales influencers in the world. There's probably some amazing influences that aren't on there. This is much to do with how many people you know and the people that know what you know. And that comes from great networking. The networking book gives you a system for authentic strategic networking. So if you're tired of going to networking events, going, do you want to buy from me? What about you? What about you? What about you? Which the average introvert won't do. You want to avoid transactional networking. That leaves you with what I call A-list networking, which is where you kind of talk about what you do and somebody asks, but you even downplay it and then walk out with a whole bunch of cards with people you've developed loose relationships with. Gosh, we don't even have time or the want to catch up with all the people we do know. Why would we catch up with them? So we put the business cards on our desk and say, if they call us, we'll work with them. But of course, they never do. So I map out a specific process that focuses on how to structure your networking. Because for me, successful networking as an introvert is about planning and preparation. It's about working out what networking events you need to go to, who's going to those events, how to connect with them beforehand, as well as how you're going to differentiate yourself, how you're going to niche down, how you're going to speak from a place of mission and passion so you don't speak in a networking room like, oh, you know, I'm dying to get a new client because I'm really trying to buy a new motor car and I really think that my next client could help me with that. Instead, from a place of I'm passionate about this and I'm on a mission to serve so other people want to help you get in front of the right people. And then how to bring that down into structured scripts so that you can learn them and practice them, not so you sound scripted, so you can portray the best version of yourself when you're networking. The difference between a sales script that we might know that sounds robotic when a telemarketer calls us and Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, his amazing part in Gangs of New York is practice and preparation. So you want to learn how to present the best version of yourself. I mean, you're not faking a part, you're just presenting a well-prepared version of yourself and I teach you how to do that. In the back of that book, I also give you a free video implementation training that shows you exactly how to put those ideas into implementation and transform your business. And again, you can access the first chapter of that book at theintrovertsedge.com forward slash networking. Of course, it's not in the book, but for those people that want to get that unified message, their version of the China Success Coach and niche down, you can get that template at matthewpollard.com forward slash growth. I did this at the National Freelance Conference, nearly 200 people in the room. And at the end of the event, I said, put your hand up if you now believe 
that you've got a unified message that you believe will compel people to want to know more, and you've identified your niche of willing to buy clients. And literally 200 people in the room, like 97% of the room put their hands up, which sounds amazing until I tell you, I said, keep your hands up if this is the most time you've actively spent working on your market, not reading about marketing, but actually applying the principles. And sadly enough, 85% of the room kept their hands up. So the key is this stuff works if you spend the time doing it. Awesome. Thank you so much. We will have all of your links in the show notes. So reach out to Matthew, download his free resources, the first chapter of his book, dive into everything he has available because he knows his stuff when it comes to sales and networking. And I know this episode is going to be helpful to so many people. So thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome. I learned so much from you and I definitely am not a salesperson and I'm constantly improving my sales mindset and how I focus on sales. So thank you so much. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at introvertpreneur.com and at theterrorread.com, where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.